Welcome to the IEEE Rebooting Computing Podcast, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. This IEEE Rebooting Computing Podcast features Marilyn Wolf, former Distinguished Chair of Embedded Computing at Georgia Tech University and eminent scholar at the Georgia Research Alliance, as she discusses a broad range of computational needs that will help advance computing beyond Moore's Law. Marilyn explores the role of artificial intelligence and augmented reality, as well as the impact of expanding deployments of sensors tied to the Internet of Things and cyber-physical systems, such as connected vehicles. Marilyn also addresses issues related to safety and security as humanity strives to harness the computational power that will be needed for the future. I think it's a little early to know exactly where things are going to go. But in the short run, I think we can make a couple of observations. First, that even though the pace of improvement in things like clock speed has slowed down, even though the the pace of certain improvements has reduced, um, we can still make incremental advances. And it's important to remember that Moore's Law did not rely on any one fundamental advance. Moore's Law just said people are going to keep solving problems because there's an incentive to solve them. And that continues to happen. The pace may become a little slower, but people are still working on solving the problems in front of us. The other big observation is that we have several problems in front of us related to uh, power consumption, thermal, to some extent performance, and we have um, several devices that may help us get over some of these hurdles. Uh, different types of um, devices, for example, that provide us with new types of non-volatile storage that provide us with uh, different and very interesting characteristics, for example, relating to retention time and access time and write and so forth. So I don't think we can say exactly where we're going to go for the next 20 years, but I think there's hope, and, and I think that we see some indications of the possible directions for the future. I, I think um, our group in this road mapping effort has identified several trends. Clearly, artificial intelligence is important. Everybody understands that at this point. And we're going to see AI uh, from the cloud all the way to the edge, to be embedded in individual consumer electronics devices, in automobiles, all sorts of things. Second, we believe that augmented reality is going to be an important application and it will play a role similar to what multimedia has played over the past 20 years. For a long time, a lot of trends, particularly in mobile, but also in server, uh, were driven by uh, people's desire for improved multimedia quality. At this point, we're about at the limits of uh, human perception. Um, so, so we can't expect multimedia itself to drive. But augmented reality places important new demands on computing, communications, on displays, uh, and on sensors. And so we think that's going to be an important application with uh, uses not only in entertainment, but also in business. And We have already seen a lot of computational devices connected to real-world objects. And this uh, has resulted in a couple of trends. On the one hand, cyber-physical systems, which relates to uh, real-time control of physical systems. 
So your automobile is a cyber-physical system. Ford uh, says that the Ford F-150, which is the most popular vehicle in America, uh, contains 150 million lines of code. And there are all sorts of examples in industry and medicine of safety-critical systems, physical systems, being controlled and monitored by computer. On the other hand, uh, at the other extreme, we have uh, what are called IoT systems, which in their purest form are um, sensor-driven objects that will collect data, perhaps at very low data rates, you know, perhaps once a minute, once an hour, collect this data, process it, and analyze for trends. Now clearly there are lots of applications that mix these two characteristics, but there we see a very broad range of computational needs, power levels, and communication requirements, all of which are driven by our desire to improve the physical world by harnessing computing. Open source software was formerly assumed to be the safest and most reliable alternative, but events such as Heartbleed have shown that that's not the case. Heart, the Heartbleed bug was a major security flaw that existed in open source software for years before it was discovered. And this software should be at the highest level of concern, so these problems should have been found first. But in fact, they were latent for years. So we cannot rely on the goodwill of volunteer communities to create the masses of software that will be required to harness all the computational power um, that the semiconductor industry can manufacture. So industries, in conjunction with the semiconductor companies, need to make sure that the software that makes use of these products and unleashes their value is available, because it, that software will not just spring from nothing. I think that we need, uh, we have a bottom-up push to create new devices that get around some of the limitations of CMOS. But on the other hand, um, we need to think about architecting our systems in, in a way that, that makes them the most use of the computational characteristics that we have. To some extent, working around limitations in uh, CMOS devices, which people have been doing for quite some time, uh, but also harnessing the new and different characteristics of these new devices. So, for instance, we see some non-volatile memory. We're just starting to figure out how to integrate those into system architectures to take advantage of their unique characteristics and not just use them as a substitute for an existing solid-state disk. One of my prime concerns right now relates to the intertwining of safety and security. And so we have cyber-physical systems and IoT systems that we trust to maintain our, our lives in all sorts of respects. Our vehicles, our medical equipment, our emergency response equipment, our our power systems all rely on computation. Uh, and in traditional engineering processes, safety is a physical concern that's, that's managed by traditional engineers. Security is a information concern that is managed by computer people, and they're considered to be very different problems managed by very different people. Fortunately, because we have combined computers and physical systems, we have now combined safety and security into a unified problem. We need new methodologies and tools to help us build systems that maintain physical safety and maintain the integrity of our security and privacy. Well, I think that 
we'll have a much better handle on the role of AI and we'll have a better handle on where autonomous vehicles are going, which is a huge opportunity for the electronics industry. I think we will see at least the beginnings of an enhanced cloud architecture that includes the fog, that is mid-levels where we bring data to more local or regional computational nodes in order to do some more localized processing. One of the statistics that our committee came up with is that three quarters of the data that's of, of importance to enterprises will never actually reach the data center. And that's because there is so much data coming out of these cyber physical and IoT systems. So the amount of data produced by the sensors in 1,000 automobiles is equal to the total amount, daily amount of data produced and managed by Facebook. So given that there are uh, millions of cars produced every year and there are millions more on the roads, we have huge volumes of data that we are not yet harnessing. And realistically speaking, we're not going to push all of that up into some giant data center and massage it. We're going to massage it at several points along the chain. In AI, there are several different possible uh, computing styles, and it's not clear which one is going to win or which, which applications will be best suited to different um, areas. You know, we have analog uh, networks. We have uh, pulse-based networks. We have convolutional networks. Don't know yet if one's going to be the total winner or we're going to see different applications using different technologies. Quantum computing and superconducting computing, which are distinct technologies, are both very interesting. It'll take a long time to really harness them and figure them out, but they provide some potentially fundamentally different capabilities, which is why I think that people continue to work on them and, and, and figure out these problems. I think that an important change in the semiconductor industry is being pushed by these IoT nodes. We need a whole bunch of nodes. The sensor industry likes to talk about uh, trillion sensor markets. So if you look at the amount of sensors you can put in the real world, it makes sense that we can use a whole bunch of sensors. But to, to make it economically and practically feasible to deploy all those sensors, we need to make sure they're very expensive. And that means that a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them need to be self-powered. Um, so we need to figure out better ways to scavenge energy from the environment and store it long enough that we can operate the, the device at the rate at which we need it needs to be operated. And we can put enough computing power on a very inexpensive chip in order to um, actually do some processing on that local sensor data and figure out what's important and what's not as important. At the date conference in uh, Europe last spring, we had what we called the 10 cent chip challenge, which challenged attendees to uh, think about uh, what they could do with a chip whose silicon costs 10 cents in a 28 nanometer node. Now it turns out you can put a fair number of transistors on a piece of silicon that that you can uh, that costs 10 cents to manufacture. I think over the long run, the idea of having lots of very, very cheap chips uh, that are self-powered, that have wireless communication, is a very different way to think about the semiconductor industry. Thank you for listening to our interview with Marilyn Wolf. Discover more about the IEEE Rebooting Computing Initiative and listen to other podcasts in this series by visiting our web portal, 
at rebootingcomputing.ieee.org.